The Coleraine Football Club podcast is kindly sponsored by the Lodge Hotel in Coleraine, famous for food, functions and friends. Hello, welcome once again to the official Korean FC podcast, uh, recording on November the 29th, would you believe? So it's about four weeks to Christmas by my reckoning. So as ever, thank you very much to Korean's Lodge Hotel for their kind sponsorship of the podcast. And um, remember that Christmas always tastes better at the Lodge Hotel. So Gather up your work colleagues, friends or family and celebrate at Elliot's Bistro this December. Uh, you can tuck into a dish from the Bistro menu or opt for a more contemporary or more traditional festive feast. The choice is yours. So lunch and dinner served daily and the advice would be, particularly at this time of the year, is to ring and book ahead not to get disappointed. So without further ado, uh, I'll uh, welcome my regular co-host Jonathan McNabb or Johnny. Um, how are we? Looking back on the weekend's game, one each home to Carrick. What what what's your thoughts? Hello, David. Yep, all good. Um, trying to heat up. I think uh, as everybody else is uh, at the moment. So the fire has definitely been burning a few nights this week. And no, yeah, thought thought probably a fair enough result. Uh, yes, we had a lot of the ball and. Had a fair few chances, but Garves obviously made a save at 1 0. Um, that's really kept us in the game. And and yeah, the second half kept on looking like we were never going to score, but, but thankfully we, we got something. And, and yeah, look, it's one of them games where it felt like the ball really wasn't in play too long. And um, listen, I've, I've seen a few highlights back, I don't really see what's wrong with, with Andy Mitchell's goal. Um, and I think we probably should have had a penalty as well. But listen, um, we've been in a rough end of a few decisions recently. and that's just how football works, and fingers crossed that we, we get a, a dodgy decision going going our way. Um, and the injury list, it's not not looking any sharper either. I mean, it sort of doesn't look well, does it at, at this moment in time? No, you, you could probably count. You probably need a squad now that's probably nearly injured or carrying Knox, and it's just weird because I was actually thinking about it. Even in football in general, there seems to be a lot of teams with a lot of injuries at the minute. Um. So I don't know if that's down to just pitches, playing. You just don't know. Um, but I'm fully expecting a call up to the first team squad soon. <laughs> I think I think you're in the twenties, Damien. Um, I don't know. I don't know if things are quite that bad just um, yet. But no, listen. Um, just yeah, these things happen, and you just always have to take the, the rough with the smooth. And we've got a double header now against John Avon coming up, which I'm sure we will we we will be talking about. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll we'll maybe talk about that later. I think you know now is a good time to. Introduce this week's special guest. Um, he's a guy that spent some time at Korean, part of the Irish Cup winning squad 2018. People maybe haven't seen or heard much of him in recent times, but that's for a very good reason, because I'm delighted to say joining us, and I think this is maybe a first for the podcast, Johnny, and the Transatlantic uh, podcast today. Delighted to say we're joined by Matthew Kirk. Matthew, first of all, Delighted to have you on the podcast, and uh, can you just tell us exactly where we are talking to you at today? Hi, Damien. Hi, Johnny. How's things going? Um, so yeah, I'm in I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is on the east coast of the USA. Um, about five hours behind you, man. 
back home, I'm sure the sun's the sun's either setting or the sun's down by this stage. Um, but I, I'm over here just playing playing football, trying to get a university degree. Um, you know, I, I think it was a good time for me. Uh, I was 22 when I made the leap. Obviously, I was playing for Derby just before that, and I'd done well with 10 goals, 11 assists. Um, but if I didn't take the leap when I did, uh, that door would have closed for me. So, you know, obviously went over there in 2019 to California as well. Um, and COVID curtailed that for me. Ended up back home, um, kind of sitting in limbo. You know, there was only elite football was being played at the time. Um, I actually, I even remember texting Orn to see if I could come in and play, but obviously the whole bubble thing that was happening at that time. So, you know, that year, year and a half out of football, it just it kind of wetted my tongue even more to come back here and just scratch that itch, you know. So um, I decided to jump at it, and here I am. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, first of all, congratulations. Great move for you um, going to the States. Uh, I, I, I'm just wondering, how how does one go about, I mean, you're obviously there at college. Is, is it like a football scholarship, a soccer scholarship, Matthew? Is that the mm-hmm. type of thing you're Correct. on? I'm just wondering... How do you go about doing that? I mean, it's not very common. We don't hear mm-hmm. a lot of people doing it, but I'm just intrigued as to how you, you just, the machinations of how you went about it and, and got. Yeah. Yeah, so it's certainly the path less travelled, for sure, from, you know, Northern Ireland. Like, you don't hear a lot of <clears throat> a lot of people going over here. You know, maybe Paddy Burns that went from Glenavon. He's playing at Notre Dame, which is a massive university. Um, and then speaking in, in football terms, they're, an unbelievable setup. They're actually currently in the what we call the elite eight over here. So um, he's playing the final eight teams are in America. They're playing right now for the the College Cup, which is like it's a very, very, very prestigious award. You know, it's it's obviously not well known back home, but over here it's a huge thing. So it is. Um, but going about it, like obviously people back home, they're they're interested in us, like people younger than me. Um, uh, if that's the kind of audience we have, you know, it's who you know, basically, and that's the way football kind of is. It's like a network that you have to operate off. Um, it's contacts. It started off with a, a guy called Stephen Murray, who owned like a, a scholarship brand. I reached out to him. Uh, he had a, a friend from Kilkenny um, at the time that was coaching in, in California. Now, the window for someone like me to go over there, you need to start almost a year early to get uh, to get selected for the year after. Um, it's just the way college works. They they do their recruiting a year early. And it's kind of a last-minute deal for me. Um, I, I remember Orn, I went out and loaned the Derby at the time. Uh, Orn had went to, went to St. Marin. Uh, mm-hmm. Ron McAree was on the door. Um, and I just decided, you know, this, this might be the right time for me. Um even though the, the rules kind of changed after COVID over here. Uh, before COVID, it was like 20, and that was it. That was a cutoff point. Now it's mm-hmm. kind of changed. 20, 22 would be the cutoff point. So I had to take the leap back then, and I did. And luckily, within that time frame, you know, I, I didn't have many options just because the coaches had kind of filled up their slots. Um, but thankfully, Shane Carew, um, Stephen Murray's good friend, had a, had a full scholarship there open for me in California. So... I leaped at it with both hands. You know, you hear California and you're just like, wow. <laughs> and going there, I was blown away. Like, it wasn't it wasn't the biggest football in school, you know. It wasn't like, you know, people, you would you would drop the name and people would hear. 
you know, it wasn't like that, but the area of just natural beauty was, was insane. You had Pebble Beach Golf Course right there, the Big Sur Valley, Carmel, the Carmel Valley, like San Francisco, 45 minutes up the road, Santa Cruz there, Santa Barbara. Everything was in touch and distance. You know, all them, them uh, stereotypical Californian cities that you hear of, they're just in touch and distance from me. Um, and then coming back, obviously, I, I didn't intend on in coming back to America. Obviously, I had the, the, the itch that I wanted to scratch, but I didn't intend on doing it. I was honestly going to jump up the Irish League this year, or last year, sorry, um, you know, because of the good season I had with Dergy. But Shane Carew, who was the person that recruited me, uh, he reached out, seeing how I was doing well, and was like, what are you doing next year? Would you like to come and have a pop at top 25, Division One? So if I break this down for you, basically there's 220 Division One schools, and then there's Division Two, II, Division Three, and then you have JUCOs and all different types. But basically, two hundred twenty Division One, which is the highest level of college college soccer, as they call it over here. And in that two hundred twenty, you have twenty different conferences. Now, the USA is a big place. We're talking basically the size of Europe, and even though it's the same country and it's state, which is like kind of like the county system with us. Like one state, I could from one side to the other, I, it could be six hours. That's like driving from from Donegal to Cork. Like you know what I mean? It's the mm -hmm. full scale. So, and North Carolina alone's almost I think one point eight times the size of Ireland. So it's it's a monster of a of a state. So it's broken down into twenty conferences, and within those conferences, there's better. As you can imagine, there's some conferences that you wouldn't even dream of playing them you know they're, they're not great and that's just being honest and then there's the top five which is the power five and that's like your ACC which Paddy Burns from Glenavon he would be at an ACC school Notre Dame oh. then like Pac-10 which is like Pacific 10 so the Pacific Ocean so that's the California side then you would have the Big 10 which is kind of up north and then you would have like the AAC and the Sun Belt so the Sun Belt is like Florida that area and the American Atlantic coast, which is the one I'm in, is the Atlantic Ocean. So I'm on the East Coast. Yeah, oh, it's very complicated, but they break it down basically regional, geographically, just for travel and and you know size yeah. of school as well. That that all those criteria points have to be met before you enter a conference. You size of school, region, public school, private school, whatever it is. But you know. At this, like at this, people probably wondering what kind of levels it at. I'm telling you now, it's it's unbelievable. You're taking you're taking 18 to 25 year old players from all over the world. They're being recruited from Japan, New Zealand, Italy, mm -hmm. Denmark, Slovenia, Iceland, Ireland, Northern Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales, Brazil, all of South America, Norway. I could go on. Honestly, I could go Australia, all over the world. There's 11 different countries on my team, like 11 different countries, nationalities. I play with 11 different nationalities. It's insane. Even my roommates, I have three roommates and they're all three different nationalities, you know. <laughs> so you're recruiting the best of the best from international. You're giving them these huge scholarships, you know, every year, every semester. That covers their tuition, covers their rent, covers their food. Then you have the, the best, like the cream of the crop of American players. And, you know, I told you about the conference system, 20 different conferences. And the top five, they get like, we're talking serious level players that will go on to play pro. You know, if they're playing and these teams, they will go on to play pro and have nice contracts and 
either MLS and MLS Next Pro, uh, USL Championship and USL One. It's kind of the four tiers that you have here in America. So basically, what happens is like playing wise. So you've got you've got this broken down into the twenty conferences. Each conference has say we'll just say ten teams. Um, just for statistics sake, and the top six teams in that conference, they everyone plays each other once, and at the end of that, the top six teams go into a conference tournament, kind of like the NBA playoffs, the NFL playoffs, similar to that, and they play in a little tournament. And you'll fly to say, for example, this year I've taken ten flights, so I've flown to five different places. I've taken ten flights, and. The final flight was to Dallas, which was a two and a half hour flight from from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and they would host the tournament for our for our conference. So the top six teams they battle it out, and then you have the final. And like, you know, we had three thousand people watching this final in you know Dallas, Texas, on a freezing cold night. Like, it was unbelievable, and we ended up beating the home team, who. Out of 220 teams in America, they were ranked number two. So there's like a national poll that happens between all the coaches and they ranked teams and they were ranked number two in the country out of 220. And we ended up beating them. So it yeah. was an unbelievable moment for Charlotte to to do that, even though we're kind of like a top 25 program. They call them programs over here, you know. It, I, it was it was Huge, it wasn't. I didn't get. I'll be honest. I did not get the same feeling as that Irish Cup one. I mean, it was different. <laughs> I honestly, it was like, even though I, I was on the bench and stuff, but like, you have what nineteen, twenty thousand fans in the national yeah. stadium and Dar McCauley sticking one of the top corner and <laughs> the Skinner know, goal. Like, just on Dar McCauley, I think I noticed earlier on today. It's Dar McCauley's birthday today, thirty-two. Right so if he's listening Shout to out. this. Happy birthday to Darren. <laughs> Nobody will Darren ever McCauley. forget. Nobody will ever forget that goal. Um, the, uh, he's the, a tough man to forget. Ah, uh, he is. Okay. Um, you know, but college sport, like from what mm -hmm. our knowledge, Johnny and I's limited knowledge of of sport in the states. Yeah, I know. Like in terms of American football and college level, is absolutely huge, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, a, just, it's a monster. Yeah, it's and a Sonder, multi billion with, dollar. Sonder, Soccer would be big as well then, I suppose. So to be honest, soccer over here, I'm gonna call it football just because ah. <laughs> I, I hate the term. I hate the term soccer to be honest, but football over here is kind of like the the little brother, we'll say. So you've got the you've got the basketball, you've got football. Mm -hmm. So I remember my first trip last year. We went to Virginia, University of Virginia, and they have a monster football team or American football team. And I remember driving past the stadium, 90,000 capacity stadium that gets filled out every single game. 90,000 people come to these games. And then the 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 football stadium, you know, European football was maybe 6,000 capacity. Mm -hmm. So you compare the two, it's it's incomparable, you know. And yeah. the stand wouldn't even get packed out unless they're in the, what's the national tournament right now, what's happening currently. Uh Unless you're in that, you ain't packing out a stadium over here. It's it's unfortunate in a way, but the level the level of, of football actually is like it's so sophisticated over here. You have like unbelievable coaches. It's like it's like chess. You know, I'll do the the day before. Let me break down like uh, a 
day match day minus one for us. So we would meet in the locker room and we call it the locker room over here, changing rooms. We would meet in the changing room. We would sit down and we would do one hour of a scout. So our coaches have combed through hours and hours and hours of video from the other team. And they'll look, break down their weaknesses, how they build out from the back, how they're going to press us, how they're going to sit in their block, their set pieces, even down to throw-ins, how their throw-ins are and how we're going to counteract all of that. So we have three or four different systems for pressing certain teams' builds. We have three or four different systems for building out from another team's press. We have hundreds of different of combinations to break down a, a team's block. And then we have maybe 10 to 15 different set pieces to counteract zonal, hybrid, man-marking types of corners, different free kicks. And then throw-ins is like our, our coach, Kevin Langan, uh, who played for Bristol City, Forest Green, came over here and, and, and played Division Two in Texas and then ended up being a coach. He is a savant. I've never met anyone like him. The man's he's so cerebral. He's so well spoken, articulate. It's it's hard to imagine. Like, you know, when when I was getting recruited by the school, um, Shane was like, You're doing well. Uh, we would love to have you over. I said, okay. And then I sent over a bit of video. You know, we, luckily at the time, Derby was doing recording mm. with a video camera. So I was able to send him over a whole load of stuff. And he was like, right, I'm going to book a flight here now. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to book a flight. He flew from Charlotte to Belfast. And he watched me play against Queens on a freezing cold night on that big rugby pitch. The pitch was awful. It was like a cow field. And <laughs> Kevin was sitting beside my father, Anthony, Anthony Kurt. And like, this is just a bit of a funny like tangent, but he said, like, you know, I'm brilliant with accents. I go all around the world recruiting people, but I could not understand a single word your dad said. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't understand a word my dad said. And to be honest, my friends back home have, have that issue with my dad. So I was like, listen, even my friends back home, they can't even understand my dad. So don't worry about it. But I had one conversation with that man, and I was sold like that. I was like, I, I need to be around him. You know, I want to be a coach one day myself, maybe. Yeah. And honestly, the, the education that I've gained through these scouts that we do, through even, so what, that, the match day minus one, we do that scout, we go through everything, their builds, their press, whatever, and then we go out on the, on the pitch, we'll do like a, a warm-up, we'll do our, uh, you know, in-possession stuff then, we call it like DNA games, so basically things that we always want to do, you know, like the the characteristics of a Charlotte team, you know, your high-pressing your high repressing, whatever it is. And then we go into walkthroughs and it's 45 minutes long. You're going through every detail and it's like everyone knows what they're doing when we get to the pitch then on, on the match day. Everyone knows what they're doing. And the other team are doing the exact same. So mm-hmm. it's it's a complete chess match over here. And you've got some of the best athletes. The I, I don't know how to describe it, but I've got a six foot five, 110 kg Jamaican Norwegian Canadian player that plays as a striker and he can run 35 kilometers per hour. That's in the top 10 of Champions League players. That's killing Mbappe number. Like, I'm not joking. You can Google this right now. 35 kilometers per hour is up there with the best in the world. And he's six foot five, 110 pounds or 110 kg and can move and touch the ball like, I don't know, like Brad Lyons. You know what I mean? He's just he's unbelievable. So, you know, you, you've got some of the best athletes 
you've got really technical players and then you've got the brains of the coaches that just uh, they tie it all together and it, it really is it's it's high level stuff and another thing that the rules are different here as well and in, in college soccer you're allowed to make subs continuously continuously so and this the the frame of a 90 minute game back home right you might it'll ebb and flow which is one of Orrin Kearney's favorite phrases it'll ebb and flow through the game and you know you might have phases where it's high tempo both teams are going out of counter-attack and then it'll, it'll take a break it'll slow down and you know it'll stay around the midfield mm. and you know you'll be battling for the ball you'll be keeping possession it's not like that here it's back to front non-stop you're tired get off the pitch, next player on, let's go. When everyone's fit as a butcher's dog, it's full-time training. You're getting nutritionists, you're getting sports psychologists, you're getting strength conditioning coaches, you're getting everything you need to perform at the highest level. So it's next person on, go. So, you know, I, I would, my, my usual minutes would be subbed off at 35, break for 10 minutes, sub back on it, second half, subbed off again, then 20 minutes later for five, and then the, I'll see you out the last 20 minutes. And that fifteen minute break, trust me, you need it because I'm. I remember we would wear the the player tech back home. Mm. You know, records the GPS. Yeah. For Cole, Cole Rain back back in the day, and you know meters per minute would be you know sizzling around one ten, one fifteen. Over here, meters per minute are up one fifty, one forty five. That that last game I played against Clemson, my meters per minute was one hundred and sixty seven, and I played eighty six minutes, so. You know, you look at it like that, it's it's tough. And the, the condensed schedule that, that we play over here too, you know, you've got a game basically every three days, every four days. You know, you might get a week break once, and that's when you really recover. But every three, four days, you are going at it, like going at it. And you might be jumping on a flight to go to Florida, mm -hmm. and then straight from Florida to Dallas, which is what we've done, and then you're flying back. And then you're playing a game then two days later at home. And then you're hopping on a bus. You're driving eight hours to Alabama. You're staying at the hotel for t two nights. And then you're you're driving back. You know, it's 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 unbelievable. It's, it's, a, it's a huge hard, machine. It's That's a hard hard going. I mean, Johnny, it's it's listening to Matthew there. It's like, what an opportunity to have at, at that age. Like, I think you're 22, Matthew. Am I right in thinking? I'm, now? I'm, tw I'm 24. I'm 24, but, don't I? 24, I'm doing you a favour mm -hmm. there, mate. Uh, um, you were, I should have said nothing. <laughs> I just took two years off you. <laughs> but I think, Johnny, what, what, listening to Matthew there, like, what an opportunity. Like, if I, if any of us were that age and reasonably talented at, at a sport, I can think of nothing better than, than doing what Matthew's doing at this moment in time. Uh, it just sounds like a different sort of universe to probably what he's been, been used to. And just speaking about it, you see how you you know, you see how you end it is and how much he's enjoying it, which is obviously half the battle and the full time aspect as well. I, I never sort of probably really, really realised that I suppose to you. So um no, yeah, it sounds sounds amazing and sounds like probably before we came on the podcast is trying to think about the standard of it, but obviously it seems very, very high and, and the training and the intensity of it and and yeah, and I suppose the, the the different nationalities too. There's different cultures there, and it's probably just it's nearly like a learning. You need to learn as much on the pitch as you do off it with, with dealing with, with different people and, and mm -hmm. different yeah. it swings. No, it swings swings pretty cool to be to be fair. Uh, um, uh, like how how long is the scholarship, uh, Matthew? And then how long have you got remaining? So basically, you, you would have four years of eligibility, um, which gives you enough time to complete a a degree. That's basically mm -hmm. what the 
the NCAA give you, which is the governing body, you know, like the IFA. They, they just give you four years. If you get injured, for example, you would get what's called a red shirt. So you get the, a medical red shirt. So you get to add an extra year on so you can stay in, in the system for like five years if you want to complete a master's degree then. Um, but basically, I, I'll be completing my degree now next May. And that's me. And that's me done. I'll, I only have actually two classes remaining, um, which is really, really good. It's positive. Um, so I, I, that's that, that's me finished now with with college soccer. Like, you know, it, it, that's the kind of the sad part of this as well. You know, yeah. this is back home. You, you kind of know where you're going the year after if you're going to stay with the same team. Here it's like no matter what happens, I will never pull on the the, the Charlotte jersey again. Like you know, it's it's kind of it's a bit heartbreaking. Like because you do you because you spend so much time around it. It's like. You, you connect so much with people over here, you know. So that is bitter, bittersweet, like that, isn't it? I bittersweet, mean, correct. And then yeah. what? What would you? What would your plan be then? I mean, are you want to stay in the states in some capacity, or or have you even mm -hmm. thought about it or decided, Matthew, what your your long term plans would might be? Yeah, so it it does come around very quick. You know what's going to mm. happen next. Um, because you're in C, you don't really have time to think about yeah. the future. You just have to focus on the next game, like get on with the games, um, and recover almost. So, you know, we have like these end of season meetings with with the coaches, and yesterday I had mine, and like it was positive. It was only supposed to be for thirty minutes, but it ended up going on for an hour and forty five with my head coach, like, and I just, you know, looking forward to. I'm looking forward to you know entering the the pro like pro environment now. You know that that's what the the main crux of the conversation was yesterday is like, I was like, to be honest, I'm kind of in a way daunting the whole, the whole aspect of what's next. Like usually back home, I knew if I was going to be re-signing or where I was going to be going the year after it was all positive here. It's like, you just don't know like the, it, the USA is so vast. There's so many players like international players. It's, it's definitely, it's a, it's a cutthroat environment over here, but, um, you know, there's options there. Like, I, I could end up in three months' time. I don't know where I could be. You know, I literally don't. And my head coach said to me, he was like, "I was like, that's daunting for me." And he's like, "Don't, don't change your perspective of that. Like, don't think. I, I know in three months where I'm gonna be. At eight forty-five in the morning, I'm gonna be sitting in the car lane, dropping my son off at school. Where are you gonna be in three months?" I said, "I don't know." He said, "There's beauty in that. Just like." Mm -hmm. Be glad that it's happening, you know, mm -hmm. be grateful for it because in 10, 15 years' time, you, you might not have that. So just mm -hmm. like look forward to these moments, like you know, there's no stress. Like, yeah, you, you, I had a good season, so like the, the, the chances of me getting a pro club are, 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 are decent. Like, I'm not going to say it's 100%, but they're decent. No, but so you've got a good, you've uh, got a good chance. And I, I guess, mm -hmm. I guess the way that you're talking in the conversation and, and, and your time there. It's yeah. safe to say that you, you you're enjoying the the, the the American way of life and and, and mm. things like that as well. I mean, it, it seems to suit you over there. Yeah, the the lifestyle over here that, that's one thing that's not really talked about. Um, and I think, in a way, it's probably one of the main reasons that a lot of people come over here and end up going back home. Is you know they're they're not sold the dream in a way, but like they're told, oh, you go over to Division One and or division two, but you end up going to like a little town in the middle of nowhere and you just don't have fun 
outside of football as well. Like you need you need the balance in life. You know, it can't always be a hundred percent school and a hundred percent football. You need a balance in your social life as well. So I think in a way Charlotte, which is like a it's a big city, like it'd be classified as a major city back home. There's you can see the skyline from miles away, like and it's it's a fifteen minute train for me to get in to the city and I get that train for free. And uh-huh. I get to experience that kind of lifestyle too. And then and I've got the beach two hours to the east. And then I've got the, the mountains where there's literal bears and mountain lions and <laughs> coyotes and everything you see on, on Yellowstone. You know, everything's yeah. you know, two hours to the west. There's got the mountains and stuff and skiing. You know, I always think it depends on where you go. And a lot yeah. of people back home will come over here and go to a Division One or Division Two in the middle of nowhere and end up hating it. You know, I'm absolutely blessed beyond belief to be in Charlotte because it's just, it's a lovely place to be. It really is. And I'm, I'm, I'm definitely lucky and I'm, I'm blessed in that way. So, yeah. Yeah. Loving the American way of life. <laughs> I, I mean, there's something about the American way of life too. Johnny, we've all grown up watching American uh, television and movies and, you know, pop culture and everything. And, we all have our own impressions of America. Um, I was just, I was in America once, and it is a lot of it is almost like what you see in TV and the movies too. Sometimes, I mean, you've been to America as well, haven't you? You enjoyed it. I've been to New York twice and sort of two different types of holidays. One of the first one was more like touristy around New York, obviously, and Manhattan and everything. Went to see the tennis and stuff like that, and then. The second one is actually skiing up uh, Humber Mountain and then went into Manhattan for a couple of days again and, and for Vegas for a stag do here in January. So, yeah, it's a, it's a totally different way of life. And it's so busy in New York and the subway. You literally, like, you need a, you need a PhD degree to, to understand all that. But listen, it's one of them things. And Matthew makes a really good point. Could you imagine you went over to America, you're the other side of the world and you know, you're in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Do, whereas you're in, you know, in, yeah. you're in a big city and plenty to do. And you're only a couple of hours from the beach or a couple of hours away from a trek or a hike or whatever it is. So, no, yeah, mm-hmm. I think, I think obviously locality is really, really sort of helped. And so, no, yeah, definitely. It's, it's definitely a big, a big plus to, to go somewhere with what plenty to do. Yeah, we, I think, um, Aaron Campbell from the, the Korean under 20s there, he, he, yeah. I think, did he go on a scholarship this year? Is he in his first year, maybe? Johnny, he, maybe you could... he definitely went, and I'm just and I want to get this right because I definitely have him. Um, yeah, I think he went to he's at the he's at Daytona State men's Daytona so, State. He's over there, so yeah, that's Florida direction, isn't it? Mm-hmm, correct. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. there. So I remember they had a big send off for Brown. Um, just maybe around this time last year. I mean, I could be totally wrong. I know, I know the club did mm. enough for him. Because I know he, he was definitely um at the club for, for a lot of years and, and he's over there um playing football. So no, yeah, it's one of them things where you put, just sort of need to take the plunge and if it's Yeah. Stephen Dooley Stephen Dooley did it as well, Matty, didn't he? Stephen Dooley, that's Stephen Dooley, that's right. He did do it. He played he played at a high level as well over here. Baltimore. Done well. Hey? Sorry. The Baltimore, no. no. Uh yeah, he was I think it was Baltimore he was at. I'm I'm yeah. not Positive on on the location of where he was, but I uh, he was a hundred percent here. That's that's yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah. it's it's something that you would you would recommend. Say, for example, other young players now in Northern Ireland here, 
mm-hmm. something that you would recommend you would have no hesitation recommending doing that what you've been doing absolutely i mean it's life-changing like I, even what johnny said you know the, the difference in cultures that you meet dealing with different people yeah. from all around the world it, it matures you in a way it, it, it adds an extra element to you as a person like you, you don't get that back home at all um you know every time i talk to people back home around facetime it's they're always seeing the same faces you know but over here it's like it's just refreshing like all the time you know seeing seeing different people and um i would recommend it obviously be very wary of where you're going um like that locality of what johnny's talking about is so important like you can't you're you're on the other side of the world like you're you're isolated from everybody all right you're a phone call away and whatnot but trust me you need you need the the balance as well because whenever whenever the college season ends and it ends quick it's it's four months of of madness you're in a cauldron for four months and then it's nothing you you finish off your classes for the semester you might have a couple of training sessions with the coaches and then it's just everyone on the team meeting up and doing doing their own sessions which do tend to be very high level because the coaches will might give you a little you know a coaching plan and uh but I've definitely I would I would be wary of where you're going. Just you yeah. know, that's the only the only thing. Like the the you, level of football will be decent no matter where you go. Just yeah. I, I it's 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 outside of the football that you need to be you need to be careful. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. you mentioned earlier, you know, about uh the big striker that you were talking about and, and his mm-hmm. stats, etc. Have I'm just thinking, you know, with the full time environment and and the best of everything mm-hmm. which you're getting at college. How have you noticed that that has changed you as a player? I mean, you're obviously probably stronger, faster, fitter, and probably mm-hmm. technically a better player now than you ever were. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. I mean, we have strength conditioning coach, uh, Perry Costales. He's unbelievable. Um, you know, and, and what we call the fall. So this is the fall season right now, mm-hmm. you know. And then we've got the spring season, which is next semester. And in the spring season, they focus so much on athleticness explosiveness uh your running technique your running efficiency we call it running economy over here you know you're taught like you're a a 100 meter sprinter you know how to run i I probably added a a mile per hour to my top speed believe it or not Mm -hmm. and even my explosiveness over five yards has gone through the roof Mm um body wise like Impact injuries this season, nothing. Just, you know, they teach you so much on how to look after your body and how to prepare and rehab and prehab. Um, and then I, I think something that people back home could adopt is a thing called pro time, which basically, uh, pro time here, but like just, you know, additional time, you know, you might finish a session with your 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 coaches at under 14, 15, 16, 17, uh, you know, in the Korean Academy. And then you just take an extra ten minutes at the end, and you write down in your notebook what I what I want to improve as a centre back. It might be literally left footed clearances, or right footed clearances, or heading while stepping on the back foot, or as a centre midfield, it might be checking your shoulder, turning out your left foot, which might be a weakness for you, or checking your shoulder and turning out with your right foot, which might be a weakness for you. whatever it is. Just ten minutes after, and if you do that every single session you think in six months' time you're going to be an even better player. So that, that's kind of the advice I would give to younger players, you know, in the academy. Just take 10 minutes, ha- have a, a bit of a game plan of what you're going to do coming in, 
and then just 10 minutes after your session's done, coach to say, all right, balls away. Go, you and your friend, you know, it all takes us another person. So mm-hmm. I think not only have I improved physically and technically, it's the mental sharpness over here. You know, the, the education that I've just got off Kevin Mangan and Charles Rodriguez and Shane Carew, my, my three coaches, is I can't even describe it. It's unbelievable. Like, you know, the way I look at football now, it's either a blessing or a curse, whatever. But, you know, I'm watching United. I'm watching Arsenal. I'm, I'm thinking, like, you know, they're doing the same things as us. They're scouting. They're putting systems of play to counteract their – it's crazy how I watch football now. You know, I never thought I'd watch it like this, but I've been, I've been blessed you, with that, that lens. Yeah, you're you – know? You're seeing it in a much more detailed way. Like, I mean, mm. ordinary punters like ourselves, me and Johnny, for example, probably <laughs> wouldn't see the half of that because we're not au fait with it. Uh, we, uh, we don't know what yeah. we're looking for as, as, as much. Um, but as you say, is it for better or for worse, does it take away from the enjoyment of watching the game or does it enhance the game from your point of view when you're analysing it I so mean, much? I think it enhances it, to be honest. Like, you still enjoy the, the minuscule details of a beautiful touch or, you know, like someone nutmegging or, you know, a, a roulette or whatever it is or a beautiful goal or an unbelievable pass from, like, Odegaard or Fernandez. you know. still enjoy them things, but I think looking at it from a analytical point of view as well has its benefits. Like, you get to just sit back and be, like, picking, like, oh, they should have been doing this or, you know, just have your own opinion on football. That's the beauty of football. It's a the most opinionated sport in the world. <laughs> just <laughs> like the, different different yeah. level. Um, just thinking the way that you're talking and and the time that we're talking to you. I mean, obviously you're playing, you're 24, but I'm getting mm-hmm. a distinct impression that down the coaching career would be something that ultimately long term is something that's on your agenda. Just from the way that you're talking about the game. Yeah, so before I came over here, I was I was coaching. I was involved with the the Ryan McBride Foundation, um, with Garth McKay and uh, who, who looks looks after all of that. Um, and I absolutely love coaching. I absolutely love it. Even over here, like you know, when I was speaking to Shane Carew before I came here, the the avenues for me after football, you know, to coach over here are. It's it's just like a labyrinth. You you don't know mm-hmm. what you could be doing next, like, mm-hmm. and obviously the way football's trending over here, the World Cup coming here in twenty twenty six, Messi's just joined the MLS. Right, there's more and more eyes. Like every, you know, obviously, like television sponsorship deals with leagues are massive, absolutely huge. They generate so much money. And the second division or second tier of USA Football, USL Championship, just same with CBS Sports, which is going to drive that through the roof. And I think the difference between European and the USA is you're paying for everything over here. You don't get anything for free. It's a, I was saying to Johnny before we came on, it's a capitalist society over here. <laughs> People are trying to make money off everything. They would sell you air if they could. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like, if I after my career and then I want to go into coaching and with the network I've kind of made now with you know my current coaches, my old coach in Monterey Bay, Graham Jap, you know there's there's money to be made here and even like once you get that your appetite whetted for competition and like even Oren Kearney for example like playing for Linfield and winning that many titles under David Jeffries, you think his appetite for competition just 
you know, silence. No, he walked straight in the coaching back and the back into the the fiery cauldron of of sport. You know, so yeah. I suppose I suppose that's what it, that's what it's all about, isn't it? <clears throat> it's that competitiveness, wanting to test yourself, either as a player or as a coach, as a manager. And and you you mentioned Orn and. As you say, he was at Linfield, won a plethora of trophies. Hmm. Injury, injury curtailed his career, but he didn't sit around. He, he got straight into the coaching and, and the managing, hmm. and, and he's done a, a pretty good job in the years since. Um, and as you say, the way that football, sorry, soccer, whatever you want to call it, is trending, as you say, in, in America, like Messi going there, Beckham's influence over there, the World Cup coming, hmm. it's to be in America now uh, and to be involved in football like you are, it's 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 as good a time as you could possibly be there. I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a it's a bomb that's about to go off. It's just about to explode over here. You know, it's about to really take off. And hopefully, I'm I'm here going to be picking apples off a tree as they're falling. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> Johnny, 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 you and I need to get over there, mate. <laughs> You're more than welcome. 100%. Hey, Matthew's got nothing to learn. Hey, he's got nothing to learn. Um, <laughs> uh, just, uh, just sounds incredible. I think he's, Matthew's sort of made of it the best of an opportunity he's been given and then as they see mm. obviously what he does next. And, and yeah, I think wise words obviously from, from his coach saying about the next three months in terms of, you know, the words is probably Matthew's oyster, I suppose. And whereas his coach, like we probably know what we're going to do every morning for the next three months whereas, you know, Matthew has that idea he doesn't know what he's going to do next. So, um, oh yeah, yeah. Why head? Why head? No shoulders. So I'm sure. Of it. But, but it, but it's 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 exciting as well, Matthew, because the opportunities or opportunities are there. So it's a glass half full, glass half empty. You look at it, glass half full. There's enormous potential sure. opportunities once you finish your, uh, your scholarship. You've got good mm-hmm. contact. You've you've done really well. You've got a good network of people there, mm-hmm. and. You'd love to think that you'll get something there, and then that'll take you to the next stage as a player, and you'll probably keep your your hand in and coaching as well for the for the long term. Yeah, for sure, no doubt about um, it. Well, it it must seem like a lifetime ago now. When I'm thinking about when you played for Korean, it's it doesn't seem like a different life. I mean, it was 2017, 2018, mm-hmm. uh, up to 2019, I suppose. Really, when you were here, Korean, that's what four years ago but given yeah. everything given everything that you've done since does it seem like like almost like a different life to you definitely I mean looking back the the influences I had in that co-rent team were unbelievable <laughs> like Martin Smith like the the little nuggets that I learned from him Brad Lyons Kieran Harkin and the, the car journeys with Stephen O'Donnell and Darren McCauley, like the the amount I learned off him, David Ogilvy learned off him so much. I actually, he was the last Korean player that I seen before I came here. I was doing a, a one-on-one session with a guy called Marty Love um, back home. And David was walking the dog around the, the pitch where I was where I was training. And we ended up having a good conversation. So shout out to David. I hope you're doing well, big man. Um but like Winky and Stephen Douglas and Stephen Dooley, all these un- Josh Carson, all these unbelievable players I was around, you know, like I always think of the butterfly effect. Like, you know, I had a chance to sign for Derry before I signed for Coleraine. 
but I ended up getting a European experience. I ended up getting an education off Oren. You know, like every manager you have will have an impact on how you're going to be a manager in the future. You know, like everything about that that time I spent at Corin, I loved it. Like the family environment that this club has is next to none. Like, you know, Derby's actually quite similar to that. You know, very family oriented club. Like Mr. McKendry, Colin McKendry, like the, the main man, like, you know, you could talk to him like he was your friend. You know, he's like, you know, the chairman, you know. You, you wouldn't be able to talk to a chairman at any other club, but he's so inviting and welcoming. And every time I come to the showgrounds, I'm welcome. Like, I'm like I'm, I'm part of the squad almost. You know, it's, it's unbelievable, you know. But what, what, so, what, age, what age were you whenever you were there at that time? I was... You must have been very I young was, then. Yeah, I was 18. I was 18 mm. years old. So I was... Um, that's nearly six years ago now, and then I, know. I ended up I ended up turning nineteen um, at the end of the next season, uh, and we were turned nineteen just before the end of season trip to Magaluf, <laughs> actually, um, <laughs> not I remember. And then uh, obviously the year after, went and loaned the Derby, uh, beat a relegation battle. You know that's another experience that you, you can't buy that. You, you just can't buy that. You know you're going to grounds like Ballyclare. You know, cow pitch, like the one of the worst pitches I've ever played on. Battling for your life, you know what I mean? For your life, you can't buy that experience. And then going to California, experiencing the full-time football, that lifestyle. And then going back home, year and, year and three quarters of my career just stripped because of COVID. I, mm -hmm. Like, people forget that. Year and three quarters is a long time, you know, especially at 21 years old. Like that's the prime years of maybe jumping up and going maybe to England or wherever it is. But I spent that year and a half, year and a half, year and three quarters in a freezing cold garage on a on a little spin bike with a bar that when you touched it, you could barely take your hands off it because they were locked on it. You're breathing out freezing cold air. You know, you'd be going up to Dirtview then, you know, I was training with them at the time. Um, you're taking the COVID test and I'm getting back at 10 o'clock at night, 10.30, and I'm deciding to go to Pure Gym, which is 24-hour gym, and just nailing out an extra session. I remember we actually played Corain in a preseason, and that, that week I had played three games, and I had trained probably 12 times. You know, that's how, that's how hungry I was to, to make it. And obviously back then I didn't know the – the science behind overtraining and all this crack and ended up get, getting <laughs> I was thinking about overtraining injured, when you were saying uh, that. <laughs> ended up getting injured from all that, but you know, you, it's all lessons, man. It's all lessons. And mm -hmm. like thankfully the year after then playing for Derby twenty twenty two season was just you know, I, I was playing the best football ever. I was just loving every every time I was getting on the ball, I was just loving it, you know. Um uh, Tommy Cannon, the the manager at the time, what a what a great coach. He's now uh, Balna Mallard's mm -hmm. uh, head coach manager. Um, so, like just just all lessons. Like looking back, you know, butterfly effect, whatever. You know, ended up signing I, for Derry, but I ended up going to Coleraine and and this and that. And what if I didn't go to California and stayed? It's just it's, it's quite it's, it's quite the it's been quite the journey. But I just mm -hmm. the, the Irish Cup final. We talked about it briefly there as well. Mm -hmm. But I mean that, like for for somebody like eighteen years of age. And oh, you're yeah. there, and you're part of the match day thing, and it's Korean's mm -hmm. first Irish Cup win in God knows how many years, and yeah. the place just goes mad. And for you to be in the middle of that as an eighteen year old, it's that's what oh. that's what dreams are made of. I'm telling you now, and there was 
there was like a, a few things that had to not go my way, but for me to get on the, the bench for that game, like, you know, the someone got suspended. I can't remember. I think it might have been Josh Carson got suspended, maybe. And was that was Josh? my... I think it was Josh. I think it was yeah. Josh. And that was my, like, I got into the squad. I got to sit on the bench. I got to sit on, on that away bench and stare across at 10,000 Cliftonville fans or red smoke flares going everywhere right. and the and the flags, and then you look to the left and right, and the Korean stands are packed. We, we, I remember we had to open up more stands. There was that many Korean fans trying to trying to get tickets for this. And then just the way the game went, oh my god, the the Dharma Collie goal place erupted. The Arm Burns goal, the I think it was uh, Chris Chris Johns that knocked well, the ball. It was his kick just, out, wasn't it? Uh, there was like a miscommunication between centre back and Aaron Burns just slotted at home. And I remember the thing about that finish, that was his that was his he he owned that finish. Every time he would do finishing after after training, he would just left foot slot bottom corner. And he slotted that on the bunk and then the Skinner goal. And I was running off the bench <laughs> and the celebrations afterwards. Were you, were you, did you run off the bench too? Yeah. Of course I did. I was I think I was on top of Oren Kearney's shoulders at that point. <laughs> I think I was on top of his shoulders. It was unbelievable. It was amazing. And then the the celebrations afterwards too. You know, you're there's a picture of me, and there's the full stand behind, and I'm wearing the, the medal, and I'm just like in disbelief of just like holy, pardon my French, shit, what is going on here? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so no, very 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 blessed to have that experience. Brian. Brilliant memories and and Orrin, you talked about being on his shoulders and and I mean he you've mentioned him a few times in the podcast but he's had quite mm. an influence in your career too I think hasn't he by the sounds of things oh for sure for sure I like I think at eighteen that's when you're you're at your most susceptible to other people like you're you're kind of in a in a position like the manager you have at that time will have such a lasting impact on your career you know the way you play like. I remember we played against Institute in the final of the, the Northwest Cup. It was a decent crowd. We had maybe Joe McCready was playing at the time, Doogie was playing, uh, you know, six or seven first teamers. And I remember I was I was doing like a, a roulette and like I, I maybe took it past three players, but you know, in, in our half and the crowd was like, I hear the woes and I, I was loving that at the time. <laughs> but I came in. I came in at no. Listen, I came in at halftime, and Oren destroyed me. He was like, "You're doing that in the wrong part of the pitch. Like, you're doing it. Just don't do it there. Strut your stuff higher up the pitch. Have a more, more output goals wise, like assist wise. You know, pass forward. Don't like possess the ball all the time. Like small things like that. Although at the time I was like, I'm gonna go out the second half. And I'm gonna fucking prove you wrong. I'm gonna score a goal <laughs> and assist. You know. That's just the way. Sorry again for the cursing, but no, no that's way. just the way you'd be thinking. And uh, you know, went out the second half, and what he, even though he absolutely came me, it made me play better, and made everyone around us play better too. And as small things he got, knowing how to micromanage players mm-hmm. is is his most effective component of his uh, managerial characteristics is being able to micromanage and know how to. <clears throat> what knobs to twist in certain people, you know, and <clears throat> that man management, isn't it? That it's key, oh, isn't it's, it? Yeah, he's that's you know, if I do go on to be a manager, like his man's management will be the main thing that I'm going to take from him is just how he treats players, you know, 
I remember London Kane on a podcast maybe saying one time that you know you could text Orn at two o'clock in the morning to meet for a coffee or something, and he he would do it. You know, he would he would just do it, and uh, it's them things outside of football that kind of yeah. generate that trust and that willingness to run through a wall for a coach. You know, in in the game, um, but I just think his brain he's he's so articulate and amazing when he talks like the the Linfield it wasn't Boxing Day but it was it was around Christmas time and it was Brad Lyons remember got the stood on by by the, the goalkeeper and he had to yes. wear a mask after <gasps> that but he, he scored the goal from Kieran Harkin's corner and that pre-game talk in that locker room when I tell you I had goosebumps from my little toe up to my top of my head I had goosebumps like just the way he's able to generate energy from just his words. You know, you have 24 people in that in that changing room and all of us were ready to just like go out the war, basically. You know, he's yeah, it's, it's some things are it's just you, you can't you can't learn that stuff. You can't, you know that's you just have it or you don't. I know Johnny and I have talked before in this podcast about we would love to be sitting in someday at a big game and just being privy to the team talk beforehand because it's it's one of those places that you know normal people and and reporters don't get access to but you would love to be in there what johnny i'm gonna ask you, you, you were you were nearly there maribor you were i'm gonna ask Gordon if i can cut the or something before the match or half <laughs> fly on the wall I I would love to. I would just or just oh, camera and and don't tell. I just think it'd be so cool just to see it. Oh, it's it's amazing. And even the the Balmina Boxing Day at home too. Like that year, we were probably one of the best Korean teams, maybe maybe ever. Like up there with one of the yeah. best Korean teams ever. That squad that we had, and then in January <laughs> to go out and get Stephen Dooley and uh, Martin Smith. You know, bringing in them players, unbelievable. You know what I mean. Um, no. But yeah, just the education I got from all them players, you know, it was just something you, you, you can't buy that. Like, you, you good, just can't good, buy it. Uh, good, good and bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. No, uh, I know. You, no mentioned a few, you mentioned a few characters there earlier. I'm sure you got a good education from too. Uh, Skinner, a great education from Skinner. Me and Funny as who no, I was he, thinking uh, of too. But listen, on, you no, know honestly. What? You, you, we're laughing here sorry, we're having a good sorry. laugh about Skinner and stuff mm-hmm. Skinner was on the podcast mm-hmm. probably three or four weeks ago right mm-hmm. and Skinner is a cute man he comes across as this character this you know doesn't care well not so much doesn't care but everything's a bit of a joke and a laugh and, and they saw mm-hmm. it yeah, and he, he does that very well he turns 40 in a couple of weeks time and, and he's still, still playing. playing he's still playing at the highest level in soccer and Gaelic both at the same time. It's um, insane. So, see for all the old, you know, lighthearted. See beneath that, mm-hmm. there's a there's, competitor there. Oh, there's even in training, you know, people don't talk about how strong Owen Bradley is. I'm telling you now, that man is pure cement. He <laughs> is rock solid. As an 18-year-old, I I just remember bouncing off him and one of my second, maybe third training sessions for Coleraine. I don't know if you've ever seen that video of LeBron James welcoming uh, a player to the NBA and he just stands there and just tenses his shoulder and the, sets like a screen for a player and the, the opposition player doesn't see him and just 
bang, nailed and drops. <laughs> that was what happened. I mean, it was like hitting a wall. He, he is an absolute animal. And it's obviously the plastering that he's been doing and Gaelic mm. and whatnot. And, but he's also very cute too. Mm. He's probably the best at winning fouls I've ever seen in my life. He will, even though the referees kind of like learn Skinner and like, you know, Skinner, we know what you're doing. Like, if we go to hold the ball up and then just drop straight forward, they won't give him a foul and then he'll throw the hands up and whatnot. But like, he, he's a very, very cute, cute player, smart player. And people don't give him enough credit for that. No, he'll I score I, you I, a goal too. He will, I, no matter what, he's just got a goal on him. It's, it's unbelievable. But, but, but that's the thing. And then, you know, as, as an 18 year old, that's you'll learn things from him, mm-hmm. and even his longevity, you you can learn from that as well. Just I don't, you, I don't you think know, you he, can teach or learn that. That's he's just I don't know what's what's in his DNA or in his blood, but he is just an animal. He's a, he's a freak. I don't think he's he's not foam rolling every night and going to miss saunas and ice baths and telling you know yeah. uh, he's just not or stretching. I don't think he's ever stretched in his life. To be honest, <laughs> I remember that, stretch, the, the stretch ones, the arm out the on time. Uh, Trevor McKendry used to do warm-ups and I'm not joking, he'd be going at 20% uh, speed the whole time. Like, you know, uh, what a man. What but a again, man. you know, it's like you're saying that and looking to you as maybe a potentially long-term a career management coaching, mm. again, that's good management because every player is different. And again, Skinner was on the podcast and talked about, he admitted mm. he wasn't the best trainer. But when you put him on the pitch in the match day environment, animal. different animal, right? So there's no point yeah. in Orn and Trevor coming down hard on a Skinner at training. No, and, no. You know that. It's self-defeating, yeah. isn't it? It is for sure. And that's, that's as we say, the beautiful thing of Warren Kearney. He just has that, that way about him. He just knows what knobs to twist. Mm-hmm. He knows how to deal with... I mean, Skinner is like a superstar. You know, he's one of County Derry's best ever Gaelic players, you know, coming in with that, that name already. Mm-hmm. At what age? What did he start playing Irish League? 20, 29. So, 29. So, you know, to come in and play at that level straight away, it's just, it, it tells you everything about him just as an athlete, as a person, you know, mm-hmm. as a competitor. Yeah. You, know, you, you know what you're going to get with, with Skinner, and that's 100%. And uh, I, I can't talk highly enough of Skinner because oh, he's, he's given he's, me a, for, he's, he's, he's a good guy yeah, too, no. isn't he? He, he is an amazing character. Honestly, he's a he's a he's a good heart, and he the advice that he gave me, you know, I'd, I would always call him up. I remember, I had a choice that this this day I regret. This is one of my biggest regrets was I had the choice of going to a week um week camp with the Northern Ireland under 19s or going to Magaluf, and I rang Skinner up, and he was like, "Listen, like he he told me to go to Northern Ireland, and I." had called up Orrin Kearney and I called up all these people that I, I looked for at the time. I was only 18, like just about to turn 19. So, and I booked the flights and booked the hotel and it would have been at, at a time, like, you know, I'm working for my dad, Anthony, you know, his landscaping business and you know, that money was hard earned. Like, so it's, you know, from a, from a immature point of view, I made the complete wrong decision, but with hindsight, looking back, I should have jumped at it. And the guess who the, the coach was at the time, it was Ian Barraclough, um, and I was on the phone to him three or four times, being like, "I don't know what to do." You know, I was just I was I was looking for advice, and Skinner gave me great advice on that. And uh, obviously, it's one of my biggest regrets because Ian ended up becoming the the Northern Ireland manager, and 
every time he thinks of me now, it's going to be, oh, he chose to get a Magaluf over it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, but I that's know, just but the, but, that's the butterfly that, that's, effect, isn't it? That's life, Johnny, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a believer, and I've probably said it before, that I always believe things are meant to be and they're mapped out for you. But, I mean, mm-hmm. what, what can you do, Johnny? Matthew was, what, 18 at the time? We're all, we were all 18 once. We all... Somebody offered you a, a trip with the boys to Magaluf, and mm-hmm. you probably think you'll get another chance with Northern Ireland too, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's it. We've all done Magaluf, and I'm still drunk thinking about Magaluf. So, not um, <laughs> uh, that. That's just one of them things. And to be fair, Skinner's Skinner's advice probably is not the not the worst thing in the world. He's been there, done it, and and two mm-hmm. sports at a high, at very high level. So, um, yeah. Yeah, for for all of Skinner's jokes and. Everyone else, uh, there is a serious card there, and you don't play for as long as he has, and, and both both codes, um, without it. So, oh yeah, it's just one of them things. And for all for all we know, you could have went to that training camp, and you may have been away somewhere else and not experienced the time you had in, in, mm-hmm. in the states. So it's not yeah. like over over three or four days. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think obviously these things happen, and, and sure look at you now. So I wouldn't worry too much. Do you do you still follow the fortunes of Corian and the Irish League and Dirkview, Matthew? Even though you're away from of home, of course, of course, part of my heart, like you know what I mean. It's mm-hmm. you, you don't like when you submit so much time to to a team, to a club, to all the players. Like there's still players that are in that squad that I played with. You know, Stephen O'Donnell, for example. Like you know, I'm always watching. You're always like, you know, if you went on my Facebook search bar, it's just. Dirkview, Coleraine, mm-hmm. and maybe you know, you know some players. You know, it's never. I'm always on flash score. You know, I've Coleraine starred. You know, it's difficult for me. I, I do miss watching football mm-hmm. live back home. That's one thing is in person. You know, it's it's one of the the greatest things that they sit and watch. You know, Irish league football. You know, it's it's unbelievable the atmosphere, the just the history behind it. You know, it's it's amazing to sit and watch it. So I'm always following it. I'm always looking. I'm always reading comments. I'm all, you know, you're just, you, you're, you're always bought in. And I don't think that'll uh. ever stop. You know, I'm, I'm a fan in a way. I'll, I'll always yeah. be a fan of Coleraine, of Dirtview. You know, that's just, you know. Yeah. And I suppose the way of the world now, the world's a much smaller place with the advent of mm. social media mm-hmm. and FaceTime and Facebook and, and everything else that goes on Instagram. So you can be sitting uh, in North Carolina and, watching Korean or seeing stuff almost mm-hmm. as it happens as well. So Correct. you're you're never far away from it, if you know what I mean, even though you're thousands of miles away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. Although I do need a a VPN changer to, to watch BBC Sport and I, I I still I still pay that ten uh ten dollars every month to get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's you need to get yourself you need to get yourself sorted. And what about um do you get home much or are you get home at Christmas, uh, for example? Uh, you get you get home at Christmas and you can get home at summer if you want. Mm. You know, there's there's options over here to play at a decent level in summer. Um, you you'll not get a wage or anything, but you'll get put up in apartments. Mm. You'll you get put up in a nice job, and then you have money to spend. You could go to a nice location, New York. You could go to Florida. You could go wherever you want, really. Um, but at Christmas time, Christmas time, like obviously it's a summer league over here. You know. At every level, it's MLS, MLS Next, USL Championship, USL One. They're all summer leagues, so there's nothing really happening around Christmas mm. time. So for me, it's definitely it's been six months since I've been home. Um, my parents, my mom and dad, Sharon and Anthony, actually came over and visited um, four weeks ago. 
Mm-hmm. So they came over to Charlotte. They they stayed in a lovely little place called Noda, uh, like a real stereotypical American American area. You know them them houses that you can imagine from movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. They were loving it. Uh, they got to see the campus. You know, when when I say the camp, the campus is like a mini city over here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's absurd how big the campus is at Charlotte. It's absurd. It's like a mini city. I'm not joking. There's forty five thousand students. There's almost 10,000 faculty staff. There's a team of 150 landscapers. You have dedicated six people for our training pitch and our, our match day pitch and our warm-up pitch. You know, it's it's an absolute monster of a thing over here. Um, and then they got the flight down to Miami. So we flew to Miami and played against uh, FIU. And, you know, they got to stay in, in the Miami and experience all that and then come and watch me play and, we ended up losing that game. It was probably the toughest game of our season against FIU. But they to sit in the stands, you know, with a, a thousand five hundred people and screaming. And the thing is, too, the 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 demographic of of people who come. It's all college students that come to the games. You know, it's it's between eighteen to twenty five year olds, and then you have the scouts and parents and stuff. But they're crazy. They'll drink before they come. Like they, there's this thing called tailgating. Mm. Tailgating is basically yeah. they go to a, a car park. And yeah. they, they open the boot of the car and they'll have barbecue, they'll have food, they'll have, you know, whatever. And then they'll have just this big freezer full of beer and there'll be hundreds of cars parked up just drinking. You know, it's completely legal over here. There's the police wow. actually just they kind of go around the, the outskirts. So uh, if you go to an American football tailgate, mm, you're, talking, you're talking 120,000 people and 90,000 might go into the stadium and the 30,000 will stay out and they'll watch on their TVs outside the stadium. It's it's absurd. It's absurd. So my, I my go parents for, got the experience that. that. I think, I think oh, it's, it's... Johnny and I, we could try and introduce that to the Irish League of a Saturday afternoon, <laughs> couldn't we? <laughs> I, 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 I don't think you need any, any encouragement for a few boys, I think. So. No, I, I don't think so. A couple, so. couple of balls of buck fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, what the ball journeys are for. Not, not quite the same, is it? Let's be honest. Not quite the no. same. So, will you get home this year at Christmas, or are you staying over? I will. I will get yeah. Home. Luckily, I'm gonna nice. gonna fly back, and thankfully, yeah. the 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 school pays for all the international players, yeah. you know, flights back. So, Brilliant. you know, it, it would be a big hit, you know, if you had to pay yeah. the amount of money to do a transatlantic flight. So, you know, I'm very, very, very blessed to be at this, this institution and program. So. And, and will you get a chance to catch a few Korean games when you're when you're of back? Course. You of course, of uh-huh. course. I'm I'm planning to go to a Glen Avon game. I have a I have a best friend that's playing there, Jack Malone. Yes, um, obviously yes, go up and, and see Dirtview play. Um, yes, they're struggling a bit at the minute. You know, mm. go up there and my, my little brother's playing for them at the minute. He's he's not getting much game time, but he's up there. Um, he's involved in the squad and stuff. And then obviously get back up to Korean and and see everybody and see old faces and. Yeah, you know, I mean, catch up and stuff. Jack Jack Malone is doing well with Glen Avon, isn't he? Doing brilliant. I think he's four or five goals now at the minute, and he's, yeah, he's, I think the managerial change, although Gary Hamilton's amazing, and Aye. he's done so much for that club. You know, the managerial change seemed to to suit Jack anyway individually. You know, it's just he's kind of he's taking a leap. The you know his potential levels high, and you know Aye. the manager's obviously unlocking it for him. So. And obviously, Korean or Glenavon this Saturday. I was over actually mm-hmm. watching the League Cup game last night. Uh, uh-huh. Tuesday night, Glenavon, Limavady. Limavady, yeah. 
Yeah, Glenavon won one nil. Aaron Prendergast scored a good goal. Mm-hmm. He's in good mm-hmm. form too. Um, yeah. But Lemavadi had their chances too, and on another night, possibly could have caused a bit of an upset. You mm-hmm. know, that, but, that tends to happen with with Championship and Irish League. You know, battles. I remember mm-hmm. third week going up to Glenavon and you know giving it to them every single time. I think we mm-hmm. walked away with a win one time under Ivan Sproul under. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Allen as well. And even this year, sure, it nearly nearly happened again with my little brother actually scored the winner and the what should have been the winner in the 89th minute, something like that. And then Glenavon in extra time came back and scored two two goals to win the game. You know, I, I had seen it was like M. Kirk on flash score, and I'm thinking, fuck, I don't know what I was playing there. <laughs> and <laughs> and I your, called my dad. I was like, what's your brother's name again? Give him a shout out. Mark Kirk, Mark. He's, he's playing for Dirtview. He scored a, a banger against Glenavon there. And I, and I think, I believe it was a League Cup or Irish Cup, maybe. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. But uh, he could have been uh, written in, in Dirtview um, folklore. What, 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 age is the, what age is the brother? He's 20 years old, so he is. He's 20. Yeah, and he played for Stuart last year and then moved up to Dirtview with, mm-hmm. with my help, you know. Very good. So, We'll get him down the quarry yeah. and then we'll, we'll, we'll get him maybe, lined up. Maybe. We'll get Orn uh-huh. on the ball with that one. But, uh, yeah, we'll Johnny, <laughs> looking, looking ahead to Saturday, Johnny, um, Corian against Glenavon. Corian haven't had a good record against Glenavon in recent years. And they're obviously the form team. They've won six in the bounce there. Um, a lot of clean sheets as well. Looking forward to it, eh? <laughs> it's a tough one. Uh, I'll not be there. I'm for the UK snooker final. And, oh, um, part-timer. Oh, you lucky man. Aye, so I'm, uh, so I'm away to watch that. So, no, yeah, it'll be a tough mm-hmm. game. Obviously, they're the most important team in the league, really. Um, and they had a good win there in the cup. So, double header against us as well. Um, so, yeah, weird, sort of weird situation. I think we had a double header against them a few years ago, but both of them are in the league. Um, strange there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, obviously one away, one at home. So I'm glad to be back for the home one. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, and yeah, as, as it as we said, obviously at the start of the show, we have a lot of injuries, so it's up to the boys. Yeah, they stay their play <laughs> and keep things going. And I thought Glenavon have a lot of injuries too. So I agree. They've they a lot experienced, lot of experienced players out, like so Mark Hockey hangs out. And, Mark Hockey and Callum Burney. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah. I think we played that bad against Cork, but we just probably need to, mm. like I said it a few times, just start to stick the ball into the back of the net. Just try and, try and get it sorted. But it is difficult. Um, As a footballer, Matthew, you know, good times and bad times, you just have to just keep working oh. at it, don't you? Mm-hmm. You have to ride the wave. That's Valleys it. and mountains, man. Valleys there's, are, no, there's, no, uh, there's no easy way around it. Hard work. No, nope. there's no always. smooth sailing. Yeah, no. So, well, here you're going to be back for Christmas, and you'll be at the Boxing Day game, maybe. Oh yeah, I I think that that one's circled. <laughs> that, that one's circled. circled. Very good. Mm. Very good. Uh, the the penalty shootout. The how many penalties was it again? Forty. Forty four. But penalties. but also, but it was really forty five because there was one in, in normal time as well. So, right. Really, there you go. Yeah, you, you must have had the, the the mittens on that night, Johnny. I, I there was you couldn't eat for Twitter. You can't tweet the same thing twice. You can't like tweet McHenry scores. Mm. So I had to just sort of use different words for scores. I had I put mm. nets and then the best mate Aaron takes me saying I never knew you were playing basketball. So that's what you're sort of up with. <laughs> that, that was surreal and mm. that's one of the things he. 
like have to be there sort of thing really so like, yeah. you couldn't have tried to it's such a I, 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 getting I, the, it was actually I know I shouldn't be saying this but getting to the stage you just wanted somebody to miss yeah, it was just kept going on and going on and going on and you're hoping I know. then we missed and then they missed and but um, I think what's makes Frizz is that Balmain had two or two, three or three chances to win it and sort of go get mm-hmm. the rivals and so yeah. I, a bit crazy and I'm sure you've he, he, seen it on social media and everyone's so I crazy. Oh, I did, certainly. It took me 10 minutes to watch it, but I, I watched uh, it all the time. <laughs> I don't even know. And, and when we were there, it took forever, didn't it? I mean, that's like 44 penalties, I would say, an average of about a minute per penalty nearly. I, I think my first tweet wow. was going to show it was at 22.27 or something like that, and it finished at 22.50. I think the penalty show lasted 20 wow. which is a long time for a penalty show. It is. Mm, that is. That is. As you said, just got to the stage where everybody just wanted the thing to finish. Didn't care how. <laughs> <laughs> just get her done. But here, listen, we will let you go, Matthew, because I'm sure. Uh, what time of the day is it over there now? It must be near. You it is now. It's uh, it's lunchtime. It's twelve sixteen now. So sixteen. Yeah, pretty uh, good. What, what what's on the yeah. menu today for lunch? Do you, do you get something that colleagues there? Do you? Um no. So I, I usually cook for myself. Um. Believe it or not, uh, I live in an apartment like kind of off campus, so cool. I just have cool. the fridge full. I'll probably make some chicken pasta, something along them lines, you know. Good, 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 good. Yeah. Hi, love it, mm-hmm. love it, love it, love it. Nice, 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 nice life to have, in anyway. And but, um, lovely, lovely to chat, to chat with you, Matthew, and to catch up with you. It's been, um, that's been a delight. It's just, just mm-hmm. nice to hear somebody on the other side of the world just. Loving what they're doing and just living their best yeah. life. It's great to see, like, and because I'm sure a lot of people would have remembered you from your time at Corian and Derby and, and mm. wherever else, but probably have wondered yeah. whatever happened to them. So now we What's know. What's been going on? Yeah. No, I I appreciate you offering me coming on and Johnny, you texting me. Yeah. I'm delighted when I got the text because you know I I do tune into the podcast and good, good you know man. now that I'm on it, it's it's like yeah, it's, yeah it's it's really good and hopefully I've shined a. A light on what actually happens over here and how the college system works and yeah how the the vastness of it and you know even the the fact like i've literally taken maybe 25 flights in the past two years to go to football games you know so it's if, if that puts in the perspective for people it, does. Like, it is it's yeah. just different world isn't it and it's mm-hmm. the way it is but it's 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 yeah. it sounds it sounds like a great one well here wish you very best of luck You've got obviously yeah. the rest of your scholarship, and then fingers crossed that we get you get something sorted out after your scholarship. So mm-hmm. we're, I mean, good to see Jolly, isn't it? And good to see Matthew in such great form as well. Yeah, it was great. That was really engaging too. You know, it's sort of when you listen to Matthew, it's hard to believe that he's twenty four. He sort of, you know, he's, he's doing really, really well, maturely. Actually, so. I don't think I was the guy at twenty four anyway. No, me sure. either. So, um, no, listen, that was really, really good. And thanks for coming on. And I know last week was Thanksgiving, if I'm mistaken. Um, yep, thank correct, that's correct. Great. Yeah, um, that's great. No, it was good to get you on. the The budget now is completely blown. Transatlantic, <laughs> transatlantic <laughs> guests for an appearance fee. That's just they're. Being <laughs> The podcast now is off air for about a year. Taking an extended break over Christmas. Uh, no, it. Good. it was good day. Good to get you on. So yeah. Well, here, Matthew, very, very, very best of luck. Hopefully, we'll catch up with you when you're at home over Christmas if we get to see yeah, you. Sounds up, good. Uh, some of some of the games. Uh, and until mm-hmm. then, uh, wish you all the best. 
Uh, thank you to everybody who listens to the podcast, such as Matthew. Um, we have a busy December, January coming up as well. So some good guests uh, being lined up for the, the next few weeks and months as well. So until next time, thank you very much as ever. And on the Bad Siders. Bye.